0: You are listening to the Walk After Falling Podcast.
1: I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. Walk After falling, 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 hello, hello. 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 Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Walk After Falling Podcast. We're here with Julian, Catherine, and a very special uh, guest host today, somebody who has recently come into our lives um, and is just... Just gives off this cool vibe, Christy Chapman. Yes.
2: Hello. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. So excited to chat with you. We are too.
1: We've been like, we've when we first started this, we're like, you know, we made this um, you know, those big post-it note type of boards, and we like hung it up on the wall. And we we're writing down like who we feel like we want to share, and we're just like, man, we. I think we both look at each other like, Christy. <laughs> so we've been waiting for this time because I feel like just, just the. Um the kindness and just the sweet like spirit you have that when in the interactions that both of us have had with you, and I know um, for Catherine too, just having that connection with you know the the mental health uh, aspect of things and just the care because she, uh, she first thought she was a two on the enneagram. I think that's changed, but oh, mm-hmm. she's still a very <laughs> helpful person and a caring person. But <laughs> but we're just so excited to have you here and um um take us through like what it's like now right now with quarantine shelter in place. Like, how are you feeling? What, what it's, what's going on with you? What's going on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, uh, shelter in place happened and my job just totally kind of took off. I think some people like their job changed a ton and you know, the location of my job <laughs> changed a ton and, uh, how I meet with people, you know, obviously changed a ton. But mostly, you know, everything shifted in a way that normally there are people who are hurting and suffering. And, and you yeah. know, the, the mission of, of care ministry is to bring transformation to places that need hope and healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So help people find that amidst the hope and healing. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, almost I would say everybody, you know, mm-hmm. need, needs that more people are suffering than ever more people are aware of their suffering than ever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. so I think my, my job really, a bunch of things and Catherine could speak to this too, a bunch mm-hmm. of the things we were talking about doing mm-hmm. all of a sudden we were doing all of wow. them. Yes. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a yeah. learning, uh, on site kind of experience. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And in one way that's, um, so cool, you mm-hmm. know, cause it's like, all these dreams and plans that I've had in them, we've had. And it's like, okay, now's the time we're doing them. Mm-hmm. And then in another way, it's so vulnerable because we're like, <laughs> wait, I, like me, I'm a two wing one yeah. on the Enneagram. Oh, and wow. that one comes out hard. <laughs> <where> it's <laughs> like, wait, I want seven versions of this and oh, maybe wow. like a test group and maybe mm-hmm. like it to be completely like everybody ready before, yeah. you know, we jump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, And you just, you don't get that in a global pandemic. (laughs) Wow,
1: Wow. that's so interesting. So now you told us kind of... like what what's going on and how that has changed for you what's your support system like like in in maybe with you know the people around the church um Mm -hmm. and side note yes so tell us your title and where you work again
2: (laughs) oh yes i'm director of care at soul city church
1: awesome awesome so kind of so now we know what you do for work where you work what your title is and like what's that support system like during this time just in in and outside of all of that
2: Yeah. um, Well, let's see. Uh, So inside Soul City, I would say the my volunteer teams. Again, Catherine can speak to this because she's in care ministry. (laughs) Um, I we just to me it feels like we we hold each other up. We everybody enters in with such authentic like this is what I'm coming with, and this is what I'm trying to figure out. And it really feels like I get to do all of it alongside of them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they like we're all together in it Mm -hmm. so it's so that's so supportive and then I think the same thing is true of leadership at Soul City they um gosh I've never worked in a place that is so unbelievably loving Mm -hmm. um and I you know all the time Jarrett and Jeannie say you know we're with you and for you and you feel that I feel that yeah and when I work there That they are with me and for me. And it, it's so beautiful. It's actually one of the reasons, um, I, I like was a therapist before this and switched, Mm -hmm. um, into working as a director of care, still a therapist. And one of the, one of the reasons when I knew that I felt really called to the church, um, one of the things I started looking for was some of that, you know, um, some of the stuff that I'm entering into as in my next, of life yeah. trying to become a foster parent and oh, things wow. like that mm. yeah that's uh, awesome. I thank you I'm very excited about it but I I'm a single woman and uh. I'm like I need family that's not family mm. I mean half family yeah. but I need both yeah mm. um and so working in an environment that's like that is just so beautiful and wow. good
1: mm. that's
2: so good so, yeah so that's like in soul city and then outside of there Obviously, you know, I have um, family that's incredibly supportive my mom and my brother and sister in law. And then I have um, a bunch of great friends um, and soul friends yeah. um, that I choose to spend. Uh, really quality time with Mm -hmm. right now the quality time looks like a zoom normally (laughs) you know it's like sitting spending the night at their house you know once a month and really all being
0: together
1: so
0: yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. slumber
1: slumber parties never go out of style I'm telling you no
0: oh my gosh they really don't (laughs) and I love what you said about the care ministry because I really feel that too and I remember like the first time Well, really the only time that I've been in an actual, in a meeting where we're actually in the presence of one another in person, Um, (laughs) it was, I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Like we're all just, you know, we're like, we're open. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the coolest part about the people involved in it is that we're, you know, we're for others, but we're also willing to go there ourselves Mm And I think that's just, it's so, it's so amazing to be around a group like that because you really just immediately there's, you break down those walls. There's yeah. no hiding. There's just like pure open arms and like full embrace. And I just yeah. love that. And that's how I feel whenever I'm around that group is just welcomed and loved. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love hearing that. Cause mm-hmm.
0: that's, that's what it's like for me too. Yeah. It's
2: so good.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for sharing uh, just kind of like where you're at right now and giving us a sense of, of who you are and who people are listening to and um, just getting a sense of your spirit and, and what you just are accomplishing in this time. And I think it's been really great for for everybody especially the church as a whole man just to pivot like the way that they have Mm -hmm. and I know I've talked to a few people on the media team and all that and working with production saying like you there's even other churches asking like hey what's working for you guys how are you guys doing this and can you help us so that is always awesome to kind of be a shepherd in that way as well too um Mm -hmm. but so now we know who you are where you're (laughs) at what you're doing um Mm -hmm well, I want to backtrack. I want to, I want to go all the way back to where you're from. Who who are you? What makes you, you, what makes you tick? No, I'm just messing, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I want to know, yeah, like where, where does your relationship in faith with God start? And, but you know, where are you from?
2: I uh, grew up like Mm -hmm. around and I'm actually in the town. I've been staying with my mom in the same town that I grew up in. So my dad was raised um, in the suburb of Chicago yeah. and in the same house um, oh. that then I was raised in. So super like OG Yorkville suburb well, of Chicago. I know where that like, is. Yeah. yeah <laughs> born and raised. <laughs> yeah. So I um, was that yeah, grew up there and then, um, went to grad school in New York oh, wow. on the East coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved it. And then towards the end of that, um, moved back to be around here. Cause I, I knew that I wanted to be around my family to like, yeah. um, have kids and have family and all of that, you know? And then as I, became not increasingly single. I don't know what that means, but (laughs) continually single and not married. I was like, okay, well, what does this mean for my life? Like,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, I I want to be married, but I want to live the fullest version of my life Mm -hmm. that God has for me. And so I'm open, you know, to whatever that would be. And, um, I worked in a group private practice in the verbs and just began praying about, you know, like, well, what's, what you, what else is there for Ooh. me um, in this? And I ended up leaving my job and traveling around the world for wow. a year, partnering um, in third world countries, partnering with organizations that were already doing work there. Yeah. Um, and then through that, uh, ended up moving to Portland, Oregon, and wow. and again, it was like a Jesus sort of thing. I knew yeah. nothing about Portland, Oregon, wow. <laughs> mm. but I loved it and lived there for three years and it was a very hard time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just like one of those, um, like sometimes, you know, you feel like Jesus is like sprinkling the seeds and watering the ground mm-hmm. and it's all very nice and there's pretty flowers. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's like Jesus is sticking the shovel to the ground <laughs> and like uprooting the thing. Yeah. That's what Portland was. <laughs> wow.
3: Wow.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my like, uh, short, short end story. Yeah.
0: So did you know that you always wanted to be a mental health therapist? Because I feel like that field is, you you feel very called to it. So can you kind of talk about what led you to being called to that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, did not know that I always wanted to be. Um, So some of my story, I didn't always know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up, um, I always say that my family, uh, liked Jesus, but mm-hmm. didn't love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we like talked about Jesus and we prayed at dinner and things like that. But like my family worshiped fun. Wow. So if okay. fun was going to happen, we were going to be there. Yeah. And if Jesus interfered with like boating on the weekends, mm-hmm. we were not going to be with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that all shifted. So, so I guess, let me make my way back a little bit. So I, worshipped fun and so mm-hmm. everything that i kind of like did in life came really out of that okay. and i was raised in a family where there was a lot of fun and a lot of good there wasn't a ton of um confronting of pain or or acknowledging pain so mm-hmm. as a child and growing up as into a young adult i could be like that didn't really exist even though it totally did right we know mm-hmm. we all know that yeah. um so then my uh so in college I was just like worshiping fun and not necessarily thinking about calling at all. And, um, my dad got diagnosed with terminal brain cancer when I was a senior in college. I was like three months away from graduating Mm. and my dad was the king of the fun. Mm. (laughs) Like just the, the, like everybody loved him. Fun loving guy worked out all the time, super healthy, super like athletic and running around. And all of a sudden, he could, like, life wasn't fun. He mm-hmm. couldn't do all of the things that he could do before because he was, um, he had seizures and so he, like, mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't move very well. And so my life really came to a screeching halt in some ways and a huge swinging door wide open. Holy cow, I've never seen all of this before. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. In a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, out of that is where I came um, into. My dad passed away 19 Mm. months after being sick. And um, he was 49, so Mm, super young. So young. Mm -hmm. And out of that is where I found Jesus and found therapy at the exact same time. Wow.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like um, you you said you found them at the same time and and we've been having conversations around it because for me personally, I grew up where it was the same thing. Like, you know, it was kind of just chill, happy-go-lucky. But when it came to talking about like uh, therapy or mental health, I feel like just being from a Spanish culture too, like Mm -hmm. you don't you know that that feels like oh you're talking about your family or Mm. you know you you don't share your business with other people and you don't need to pay Mm -hmm. somebody to tell them (laughs) your stuff you know and so but then there's the other side of that like I grew up in church my whole life and you know Mm -hmm. I know that side of it so what is it like to find those two things at the same time like how do Mm -hmm. you how do those correlate with each other for you in your own experience
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that I don't. Um, so I, I guess what happened was I, because we liked Jesus, mm. when my life was like turned on its head, I, I like looked to the things that I knew were anchors. Yeah. And so like, I didn't, I, I knew that Jesus was an anchor for a yeah. lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could feel it inside of me, you know, like mm-hmm. I re- I remember making not very wise decisions and like asking my friends, yeah. you know, like, do you think that God would like this? And you know, my friends were like not making wise decisions <laughs> yeah. either. So they were like, yeah, I think he's fine. <laughs> no, I don't. So I like could feel something inside of me, mm. you know, what, um, what like what people would call like your inner knowing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like something inside my body that was like, oh, I think that there is something here. Yeah. So I think that that was true about, about God. And I, maybe not necessarily therapy, but about my emotional life and mm-hmm. about verbalizing my emotional life, wow. about having deeper things inside of me that I knew were truer than the actions that I was living
3: out.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think I, yeah, I felt both of those things. And I was like, when, you know, everything is chaotic and you just don't even know which way is up mm-hmm. you try. I guess this is, this is kind of vulnerable, but that's what your po- podcast is about, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my, after my dad died, you know, I was, I was living a pretty like um, like alcohol addiction, promiscuous mm-hmm. pretty crazy life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. before he died and when he was sick and stuff, and then when he passed away, I didn't know how to cope. Like I really had never, my family was conflict avoidant. We, my dad was an alcoholic. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. You know, there was all this stuff. I didn't know what to do. And so the first thing I did was like, well, if I can't control anything, then I'm going to do whatever I want. Like mm. there's no implications. Mm. And so I pretty much spiraled for like a month. Wow. And at the end of the month, I was like logical enough <laughs> in my chaos yeah. to be like, well, this didn't work. <laughs> you yeah. know? like Trial and error. <laughs> right it didn't take me anywhere better for me to become more of what I was doing before Mm -hmm. and so then the next like I for a few months was trying to just navigate it kind of as like I was not spiraling just kind of being normal weird not choosing good things you know Mm -hmm. but more like logical about it and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't figure out what to do and so when I went to church and basically got sober Mm -hmm. I was for the first time not you know drinking a few nights a week yeah. um I was alive to what I was feeling and I knew that the next thing the next anchor was working through what I was feeling mm-hmm. and so luckily my mom had always you know always said like yeah ther- therapy's great you know whatever No, yeah. nobody ever went <laughs> you yeah. <know>? like, <laughs> they were like yeah it's fine so yeah so I I I guess came alive to kind of what was going on. And then I sought out something that I knew two things, you know, church and mm-hmm. therapy that I knew would anchor me.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. You just said that like came alive to what was going on. Cause I feel like a lot of us do drift through those, those areas of our life where, it's okay. It's not. It's not damaging me. It's not devastating me. Or yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but it's all I know right now, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna keep going through it. It's kind of almost like a, a zombie effect through it, but coming and especially
0: that, yeah. with the you know with numbing effects mm-hmm. like alcohol and you know all mm-hmm. those things. It yeah. doesn't have to just be alcohol, but there's so much numbing that goes on too that. It's like when you strip those things away, it it almost has no choice but to just. Yeah. You have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that.
1: I love that you said that. And oh. yeah, so with with all of that, like now you're you you sought out therapy. Like uh-huh. what? Because I know back to the thing, like a lot of people struggle with just even taking those first steps. Like what kind of encouragement through your, through like your experience can you give to people who might be there right now? Like, I feel like I want to, but yeah, I'm not gonna do it. Or you know, I like it. Like for me, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the trail. I'm gonna go run or whatever. But uh, you know, it sounds fun, sounds good. It sounds like it'll do well. But <laughs> like, do I want to? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, what can you like share about those first steps and like walking in that office and what that experience is like, or you know, over the phone, however you did it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Old school, walking in, walking (laughs) into someone's (laughs) office. Um, yeah, I think that. uh, I guess, what was, what's hard about my my situation, I think, is that, there really wasn't an option but an anchor.
3: Mm.
2: You know, there wasn't another option. I didn't know what to do, and so for so many people we have other options. Mm -hmm. We're trying out the other options and we think that they work, you know? And so, and I had spiraled to such extent that I I knew it didn't work Mm -hmm. in some level, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think some of the reason I knew it didn't work is that I, I've always had super close relationships.
3: yeah.
2: And so I, I allowed people close enough to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, to say things. So I think that that's one part is like, letting, letting people speak into your life, people mm-hmm. that you trust. Yeah. Um, you know, Brene Brown calls them the people on your like little one by one square piece of paper. Mm-hmm. She keeps one like in her wallet. And says, <laughs> these are the people that have earned the expensive seats to my life. Wow. And so letting those people speak about how you're doing and what's going on. And then I think the other thing is asking, asking yourself questions about like, is this really working? Mm. Am I really happy? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we get so busy, like Catherine said, you know, there's so much numbing that goes on. Mm -hmm. And I think busyness is one of those things. We don't realize it. (laughs) Um, Maybe now we realize it. Everybody's like kind of stuck with the same few activities right now, Mm -hmm. but, um, allowing ourselves to be slow enough to find boredom, to -hmm. find margin and to ask yourself about like, is this really working for me? Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's emotional or like you said, with like running, you know, with our bodies, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. do I really feel good? Mm -hmm. You know? Wow.
1: That's so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so good. And it's just like, I always say that too. And I think that's something I try to focus on is like being just aware of where I'm at and what I'm doing and how it's affecting not only myself, but the people around me. Um, And just making sure that like, hey, if I need to be present and off my phone and Kevin's (laughs) looking at me right now, (laughs) but I do find myself doing that. And I think like, man, how would I feel if I would, you know, like, because you can be present, you can be there, but you, you, you're not present. And I think that that happens within ourselves too. It's kind of like, um, I think I'm trying to think back of who, uh, I don't know if you were here yet for this, but. I think it was Nancy Beach, actually, she talked about, like, escapism, mm-hmm. and, wow. like, just, you know, you come home after work, or come home, you know, after whatever you're doing, and instead of really taking that time to be in silence, or being quiet, um, you know, just being present in the moment, we turn on the TV, we do something else, we do that, but that's not actually, like, getting the rest we need, that's, that's just escaping. And it actually makes us more tired. It makes us oh. spiral more, or it makes us mm-hmm. just feel more anxious about what we have to do because we didn't get the rest or the reset to be ready for that. So that's just something that's always stuck with me as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, I mean, it's such a real thing. It's so, especially in this time, it's such a real thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's like when you, when you spend that time numbing out or escaping or whatever it is, like you build up this reservoir of emotions that are undealt with and like unprocessed. And when that, you know, when you spend a moment still, it's like all of that just comes out Mm -hmm. and um, that's kind of what it sounds like happened to you, even like you know, your your whole life had been kind of that fun and like not, you know, not acknowledging emotionally, like your emotional life, like you said. And in that moment of confronting death of someone that you really loved, it's like you you are now faced with all of this emotional buildup. And um, just, yeah, that moment of letting it all, kind of come out is, is, um, intense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You're so right. Totally. It, it definitely is really intense. One of the things that I like to, um, talk with my clients, um, about or people in general <laughs> about the idea that we, if we're all, um, made in God's image, then that means like in God never ends, we'll never oh, know all of God. Oh, I oh, really yeah. believe that we'll Will also never know all of us.
3: Mm. And
2: so the journey for me of uncovering my emotional self, my whole self, I think is going to be lifetime. And wow. I, I think that that's true for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think I was really down deep, you know, yeah. my true authentic self was really covered over with a bunch of stuff. Wow. Um, and so I was, I'm just continually peeling back the layers of the onion to say, like, okay, well, what if this is actually what's true about me? Yeah. Oh, let me like kind of explore this. And it's increasingly becoming um, more and more present to mm-hmm. my the moment I'm in and less escapee, yeah. less escapism. Not that I think escapism is all bad. Everybody no. needs to watch <laughs> <the Netflix laughs> show now and then. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> less and less of that yeah Mm -hmm. no
1: that's good and and the point you bring up about just like feel you know knowing the truth about yourself or knowing um what you're capable of I know we talked Mm -hmm. on the phone when we first chatted about you coming on um was about just your new role and the leadership uh the leadership role that you take into it but also worthiness around that can you Can you take us from how you found this time you built yourself kind of, uh, you, you reached the end of yourself in a, in a way. And then Mm -hmm. you, you started building that back up, you know, with God, with, with therapy and how has that made you the leader you are today, but also like within that walk of, of feeling worthy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that, so I, I went to grad school after mm, my dad died. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, I think I was going to be, what was my degree? I forget. <laughs> I was like something very weird. I was, I always loved psychology. Mm. So I, I think my degree was like communications mm. with psychology. And mm. I think I was trying to figure out if I was going to be like a designer. Cause oh, I wow. really love, I love to be creative. Yeah. So, um, and obviously. And then my dad got sick and it kind of all shifted and Mm -hmm. purpose and calling really shifted for me. And so I think that probably the first time I really strongly listened to the, the inner knowing inside of me Mm. and recognized it as Holy Spirit, probably both things was choosing to go to grad school. Um, I remember my mom, uh, we went out to lunch and my mom was always like, has always been my biggest fan. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, yeah. anything you need and you got it, and whatever. <laughs> and I told her I was going to go to grad school at NYU. And she was like, don't, don't, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to regret it. She she was straight faced, so angry. It was like, you can't leave us. Oh, and it, wow. for her, it was like, I was her only me, me and my brother were only her anchor to some sort of purpose yeah. because my dad had died. She's a nine who, oh. after three years of Enneagram studying, finally admits <laughs> she's a nine. Yeah. <laughs> she's
0: what did she like, think she was?
2: Oh, every other number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a seven was first. My dad mm. was a seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. um, an, a three was at one point, Um, maybe a six. Mm-hmm. So she was just all in mm-hmm. place, but... <laughs> She, it was her greatest fear that I would leave. Like she just felt so abandoned. Like I had already, she'd already lost my dad, and yeah. she was going to lose me. And so, to listen to that voice and say, "No, this is what I need for me," and I would say that my journey of leadership has been uh, being able to say, "This is what I need." For me, or whatever is under under my like authority. Mm -hmm. So like with with a client, right within therapy, I had to learn a way of leading them through what I could feel and see and know both, both in myself, as I um, digested what they gave me through Mm me, and then of them, right? And, yeah. and both things to an inner knowing that was outside of me, but came through me to inside of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. That's we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll make, so it's complicated,
1: but we got, we'll listen back. We'll make sense yeah. of it.
2: <laughs> no, that's good. Great. That's really good. Um, and so leader, leadership started with that. It started with listening to the voice inside me and, and it's just grown. So I learned how to lead through a therapy session um, and through a therapy group Mm -hmm. towards a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And then I learned how to lead among a group of my own therapists, like um, in group therapy with other therapists. And then I learned how to lead, I would say, probably through my traveling. um, I learned how to lead in the face of adversity, Mm -hmm. Um, not like adversity – like adversity like someone disagrees with mm, you a lot mm. and you have to sit in what you know to be true and not be a people pleasing too
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so they they were acting as an adversary
2: adversary <laughs> yes exactly that's exactly what it was um and had to lead through that and then uh at soul city it's been leading into greater calling yeah. so Not just being able to see the healing that can happen in a person Mm -hmm. and leading through that, but the healing that can happen within a body and a community and in a ministry and then building something that can also systemically, maybe not prevent, preventative isn't the right word I want to say, but can create systems that will allow hope and healing to mm-hmm. come yeah. mm-hmm. before yeah. they would have come
1: Wow. before. Wow. Yeah. That is so good. Cause it, it almost mirrors like, yeah, what you had to, how you, how you had to learn it, uh-huh. it pretty much mirrors that. And just like taking it from just one simple foundation of you learning through, through you and another person and then growing that into what it is today. And I think that's so important, too, because we sometimes we try to go like if we're passionate about something or if we're learning something, sometimes we do jump in at the deep end. And really what it takes is learning to build those building blocks in order for us to float at the deep end. And I think that's such a a powerful thing for you to have to experience, especially when you are in the thick of it with with walking with people through those things, grief and loss and, and feelings like those are the most complex things for people to, to deal with. I like, even for me to say it and find the right words for it is even hard because I feel like, Mm -hmm. like you said, we'll never understand fully. Maybe our emotions or, or full, our full, complete selves. God, God sees us in our complete selves. But if, yeah. but for us, we don't, and it's so hard to even uh, translate that with another person. So the fact that you went through that journey is just, it's great. And to see what you're doing now, like, I mean, like Catherine said, she didn't know there was a self-care. I don't think there was one before you came. Is that, mm. is that kind of what God brought you there to kind of build that, uh, that part of the church up with um, the care ministry?
2: Uh, Yeah. So some of I So there have been a couple of um, people who have led care ministry a little bit more behind the scenes Mm. um, and not necessarily as out front and definitely more um, part time kind of capabilities than what I've been doing. And thank goodness for them, Mm -hmm, (laughs) because Nicole Scott is one of us Mm -hmm. who. Came before me. and She's on my care team now, and she laid so many foundations. You know, for things that she she had eyes to see things that were yeah. like, oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that. Mm-hmm. And so that was just incredible. Um, but yeah, I think really, what it feels like God led me um, to Soul City for is is yeah to to start and grow um, care ministry. Um, as well as then to be a part of the building of, of the house of hope of um, the way care is expressed within um, our community. And then the way that we are seen from the community um, of both West loop and Chicago around us mm. um, as a place of hope and healing and transformation that, that does have a bridge between um, mental health and the church. Yeah. Does that, that bridge is not, not always built these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, it's not. And mm-hmm. it is at Soul Avoid. City, which is yeah. really beautiful. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. great. It's, it's always, I feel like avoided in a lot of places. And yeah. the intentionality behind that is, I know before all of this happened with, you know, not being able to go physically to the church. I know they were working on um, bringing, bringing more intentionality to that and making it a part of the physical location. Um, yeah, yeah. And and now you pivot, but you don't, you don't let up, you just, you, you keep doing and you keep doing better. Um, and, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And I love that the intentionality is there and that you guys continue to push it forward.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really exciting. It's, um, a fun thing to get to build something. Mm -hmm. Um, and definitely, when you were asking about leadership for definitely a place in leadership I've never been. Um, and so with like the new places of leadership come unbelievable vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And something I think Jeannie teaches me well is to push into um like the vulnerable spaces of leadership. And I think I had an idea before I really started saying yes to leadership Mm -hmm. sort of things, which you know would have been like depending on which stage you got either five years ago or 10 years ago, but both of them. Right. Um, I think I really believed that like leaders just were confident. They just knew, Mm. like they just knew something. And clearly I did not have that within me. Mm. I did not know those things, but Mm. instead, um, you know, I think I've learned that leaders don't always know, Mm. but they're willing to not know and to talk about it yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. vulnerably and to step into places of action to see right
0: yeah, yeah. and in that place of vulnerable leading i mean mm-hmm. in vulnerability like you your insecurities sometimes come out um and so can you talk a little bit about your mm-hmm. damaging thought around leadership kind of coming out in that way when you first started and maybe even what you're still still facing today
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So my
2: damaging thought around leadership is that I, I don't know, I am not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough, um, in whatever way to lead people to something. Mm Um, and I, that, I think that started, uh, a long, long, long time ago. Um, in my dad's um alcoholism mm-hmm. in order to be met uh with intimacy or love from him I had to come meet him mm-hmm. uh, so like in relationship yeah. whatever he needed he wanted mm-hmm. and my dad was a wonderful man and this is just a testament to alcoholism mm-hmm. yes. how someone can be he's both right yeah. mm-hmm. he's an incredible man loving kind generous spontaneous and fun and also emotionally crippled in mm-hmm. so many ways mm-hmm. and um, not knowing how to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as a result, as like a really um a young, very sensitive child who had a lot of emotions, I denied all of what um I needed or wanted or thought and met him and then mm-hmm. that learned behavior translated everywhere else. Wow. Wow. Um yeah, and so I learned how to perform in school um, and did, did well in areas that were expected of me mm-hmm. because that was what someone else wanted, yeah. you know. Um, so really, in a, in a wild way, some of my first uh, voice was by, like I remember in college, calculating how to miss class, but mm-hmm. still get a good grade, oh, you know, wow. like how many classes can I miss of this one, this <laughs> yeah. one, which one can I miss which week, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. because I was like, I needed a break, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I like need it. But because I couldn't give myself permission to need yeah. the break, you know, I had to figure out how to give myself wow. a
3: break. Wow.
2: Yeah. yeah. So in, in leadership, um, now figuring out, how to believe that my ideas are good and that I, uh, am not only smart, but am a, like a professional mm-hmm. in certain areas yeah. that I have gifts to give, not just the individual that I'm sitting with, but, you know, a community of people mm-hmm. and, um, a, the bigger world at large, you know, yeah. um, believing that. So it comes up all of the time and especially in vulnerable moments, you know, when you and I talked, Um, on the phone Mm -hmm. about what I was going through now, you know, entering into this pandemic where all my ideas, as I said before, all these things that I was so excited about, you know, we were on like version 0.1 of, of like the version seven that I wanted to present. (laughs) And so being able to be like, you know what, like, this is what the moment needs, you know, the moment needs people, people are hurting and need people to meet them. And I know those people who can meet them. And so I have to lay down all of these things that I'm terrified of, like, I'm, I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. This is going to look horrible. Someone's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, these very terrifying, um, all, all, you know, excuses, but not excuse, you know, yeah. they're all things yeah. that I'm like projecting mm-hmm. onto the situation when I have other people around me that are saying, that's great. Why aren't we doing that? <laughs> yeah. you know? You're
1: like, wow. okay. Yeah, you almost yeah. become your own worst critic. And and that might be where being a wing one kind of comes mm-hmm. out. I know I heard Catherine mention this before to somebody else about that inner self critic. Like, do mm-hmm. you feel like that shows up in a lot of areas?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Um I am a hundred percent my my worst self critic. Um when I first started. Oh, maybe not first started. I've at, at Soul City. I've had different conversations in mm. leadership conversations about how to lead me well. Mm. And it is always my advice to whoever's leading me is that know that the worst things are happening inside of my head. Mm. You know, like when I'm in a vulnerable situation, I'm thinking the worst things about myself. You know, more mm-hmm. than what you could say and. Oh. So, for my for leaders, Kelly has been fantastic about this. She's yeah. amazing. Um, you know, so encouraging in tough moments um, about helping me to hear my own voice wow. of yeah. Holy Spirit, deep knowing voice, right? I believe they're mm-hmm. one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. Our deep knowing is the voice of Holy Spirit mm-hmm. inside of us yeah. that says good things that are full of love and grace and tenderness mm. and allow us to be very human and make mistakes and know that that leads us to our best selves, not critical, you know? Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So through that, through, through that knowing and that inner knowing, what would you say is your true North? What would you say are those Mm -hmm. dreams you hold on to the truth you tell yourself? What would that Mm -hmm. be? About me? Yeah. Yeah. You're, Mm -hmm. you're the guest
2: girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, the true north things that i hold on to about me um are that i, be- I believe uh that all humans are good mm. innately under underneath it yeah. we make mistakes but we're good yeah. and that i'm good mm. i actually have a tattoo of that on my arm mm. <laughs> that says good period <laughs> <laughs> not and that's good all comma you need. <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah so that i'm good mm. um and I have good intentions and good things will come from me, mm. even if I make a mistake. Mm. Um,
1: and do you, oh, yeah, no, no, I was going to say with with that, do you, yeah. how do you use that as um, like a weapon against the damaging thought? Like I, you mm. know, to believe that is one thing. How do you apply it every mm. day?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Thank oh. you. <laughs> I'm thinking, I think, um, I think one way is being slow. Mm. Um, another way is by being in nature. Yeah. Cause I, you see the goodness of God and I know mm. I'm created in that. Mm.
1: Yeah. Your stories, your IG stories are really
2: cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love to hike. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think another way Um, I have had lots uh, this is another podcast, but I've had lots and lots of, um, negative experiences of my body. And so some of my journey, Mm. um, has been opening myself up to love my body and appreciate and and feel my body. Mm. Um, and so another part would be taking thoughts captive. So Mm. when they are critical, noticing them. So some of that is being able to be slow. Mm -hmm. Um, the, um, my pastor in Portland was John Mark Comer, and he wrote oh, a wow. book this past year. I love him. Oh yeah, he's incredible. <laughs> that's so, so cool. wise, yeah. so kind. Um, he wrote a book called "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," and so mm. that's been um, obviously going to his church. He, this is what he's all about, right? Is this so? Being in Portland, some of that I learned that practice over those three years, and then even reading his book this past year has been an opening up more to the slow. But mm. when I can be slow my thoughts can be slow enough that I can notice them. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to look in the mirror and negative thoughts start coming up, I think, Oh my gosh, wait, why, what, mm-hmm. why am I saying that? Yeah. You know, like I can hear them as opposed to just them being this clutter in my brain.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So with, with work, um, and the worthiness that comes up in new seasons, trying to resist the, the fast mm-hmm. of the, of the news so that I can say, wait, 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 no, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not who I am. This is what you're, what the enemy is telling me, what the script is telling me, old script of my, of my history and my past is telling me in my brain, that's not true of who I am. And it's not true of who I'm going to be. Wow, that's so good. I can reject it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, um, th- that's a thing that I know, I when I shared in in the first episode of like the self doubt and the image that I that I tr- you know struggle with it's always just trying to find out like w- what it is and I think I'm always like I'm a big picture person so I'm always thinking about oh the the bigger picture and bigger picture so you just saying that is is feeding me because I think that's something I need to do and slow down I'm always thinking about the result before the actual process um, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just like what I want to look like instead of what I have to go through to look like that or, you know, just yeah, just being yep. in those moments and slowing myself down. I call them fast twitch muscles from, you know,
0: <laughs> playing,
1: playing baseball my life and just like learning how to use those fast twitch muscles. It's like mm-hmm. it's literally what I am and everything that I do. And it's just like, Ooh. dude, like loosen up and slow down mm. Um, yeah. and I've been learning that a lot through like, even the yoga practices that we've been doing, yeah. like, um, you know, I started the 40 days with Catherine, which I'm just like, why did I do that? But <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> but it's been great. And I, you know, we just, I think today's the end of week two mm-hmm. of the 40 days. Oh, wow. nice. Yeah. And Sundays are great because Sundays, the yin yoga, which is like, you get to rest, but also oh, yeah. stretch and like yes. that man, like just utilizing that is like, okay, I'm slowing down. But I'm also not, I'm not slowing down just to rest. I'm slowing down to still focus on those weak and painful areas
3: yeah, and, and strengthen
1: yeah. them and be ready and rejuvenated for the next week or the next challenge in life or the, or the next, you know, uh, thought that comes up that I need to just take captive. Like I, mm. you know, just learning all so those great. things, do that. And yeah, I love that you bring that up. Cause we, I feel like a lot of us, especially in this time, it's painful to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I think we had another person we were talking about just adding more on their calendar.
2: (laughs) And it's just like
1: we're given this time where, you know, it's like, okay, like we're not we don't have to drive or go to work or anything like that. But, you know, we're putting more on ourselves instead of slowing down and actually focusing on areas.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of going back to what you said about the yoga practice, like for me, that was like the opening to me being able to see my thoughts and not be my thoughts. And I think that, you know, that's what it teaches you. It teaches you to be mindful of the tapes that are replaying in your head. Mm -hmm. And you do find that like pause and that mindfulness when you slow down. Mm -hmm. And right now we're in such a unique time where everyone is really slowing down. Mm -hmm. And so... Like I've, I talked about this earlier this week, like I'm being confronted with a lot of those thoughts be, just because of the nature of mm-hmm. this, just because I have slowed down. Yeah. And um, so what would yeah. you say to people who are maybe, maybe seeing that in themselves for the very first time? They're seeing that, oh my gosh, the busyness has has masked kind of these things that I say about myself on a daily basis. And now they're, they're kind of being forced to sit Mm -hmm. in the pain of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what would you say to people who are dealing with that right now? Maybe encouragement or just anything?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a couple things, uh, there's a place, uh, that, when you when you recognize those thoughts there's a place of change and there's a place of of coping and there's a place of both mm. so like if you're so over if those thoughts are coming at you and they're like a darkness that's overwhelming you yeah. where you don't feel like it feels like drowning or suffocating or like it's hard to keep your head above water.
3: Mm. That's
2: when you reach out. Mm. There's so much therapy available right now, yeah. maybe more than ever. Mm-hmm. It's maybe more accessible than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are inexpensive options. So, you know, reaching out if you're, you know, if you want to reach out to Soul City, reaching out to, you know, like care at soulcitychurch.com yeah. or reaching mm-hmm. out to like whoever is connected to therapy in your world, Mm -hmm, right. And um, engaging in that because it can feel like that Mm a hundred percent. And then I think there's a place of recognizing, like seeing those thoughts for the first time and feeling like some hope, like feeling like, wow, I'm seeing a part of myself I haven't seen. And this is really painful, but also like I think there might be something on the other side of that, yeah. and that's a place of coping and change, mm-hmm. where you, you can make um, make choices mm-hmm. that are going to help you. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd say if you're if you're in that place for the first time, um, and you're either in therapy or you don't want to go to therapy, either one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're already doing dealing with that side of it, mm-hmm. and you're just wanting to do work on your own, I think there's you can do some identity work. Um, where you need you need to understand what is true about you Mm -hmm. so that you can reject what isn't true Mm -hmm. about you and so uh, I think some of that identity work um, there are there's some books like again (laughs) John Mark again a book that he wrote (laughs) called Garden City was really instrumental this is before I even went to his church that was really instrumental for helping walk me through like who am I and what am I called to? And what, what's Mm -hmm. good at? What am I good at? And whatever. Mm -hmm. I think asking people that you're close to that you feel seen by Mm. like, Hey, I need you to tell me like, what do you really see me being (laughs) good at? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think Mm -hmm. I'm like really good at? And that again does that thing where you're allowing people to speak into your life, um, which builds up, builds you up in different ways. So doing those two things, something that helped me and I've, I've told other people this and sometimes it helps people and sometimes it doesn't is creating, um, what I called scaffolding for shaky days. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, you know, scaffolding is like this thing that you can like hold on to Mm -hmm. like when people are cleaning windows and whatever. And so this is like the things I can hold on to about me. So it's that Bible verse, you know, whatever good, whatever's good, whatever's true, whatever's noble, Mm -hmm. whatever's right, like hang on to these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down one day and I journaled and painted about, you know, These are the things I know is, is like true, is good about me. And so on tough days, I would go back to that Mm. and I would practice those things. So like one of them was, um, I love the water. So on tough days, I would, if I went back to that list and that was what appealed to me, I'd go be by the water Mm. and I'd somehow connect to a deeper, a deeper sense of self that made it easier for me to cope through all of those other Mm. critical things,
0: you know? Yeah that's such good advice that, mm-hmm. um, that, that place of, uh, coping and change, because sometimes you are in a place where change, change is not, you don't believe it's possible. And yeah. those thoughts are so, so dark. And so that's, that's the time when coping comes in and when help really it's essential and it's mm-hmm. life-saving. And I love yeah. that you made that, that differentiation. Cause it's, I think that's where a lot of kind of harmful messages from the church come in too and there's maybe not an mm. understanding that yeah. that when when things are so so dark that it's it's just not it doesn't seem possible to mm-hmm. see the light in those moments yeah. and so like how can we meet people in in that darkness to mm. to be the light for them and to show them show them the light of Jesus yeah. because that's mm. you know we can we can act as a bridge to that change. Mm. And I think it's important for us to understand that, that, that that's what it is and that it's not, it's not an act of, of willpower and it's not, you know, pray it away, but it's, it's like, you have to, you have to meet someone where they are at. Mm -hmm. And that's such a phrase that's like, it's like counseling, you know, that's like the catchphrase, (laughs) but, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's something that I feel like I really hold on to in this and wanting to wanting to help and wanting to care for people is just always remembering that. Mm
2: -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're
0: so right. And then
1: Christy, maybe along with that, but like for, for you yourself, um, mm-hmm. somebody who might relate to bits and pieces of your story or relate to the whole thing. What is some last, because we always say we're not here to be self-help, but to show people that um, we're walking through very real things that could help them take the next steps or help them just come to grips with their own walk. But, um, we do want to share advice because I believe that, you know, we might, some of us might not have titles in in different things, but we're all professionals or we're all experienced in our own stories, you know? Um, so what, from, from what your experience is, um, just the walk that you've had your, through your life, what, advice what encouragement or motivation can you leave with somebody who might be taking away from your story
2: yeah gosh um mm, i have been at so many different places through my story Mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking about um you know the the young adult Mm. who was numbing yeah And who just deeply grieves my soul right now, Mm. you know, um, for the person who could relate in some way to that story, um, to reach out, um, to talk to people that you feel seen by, or if you feel too scared of them to reach out to a therapist, Mm. um, to just start talking about your story and to know that you don't have to change it all in a day. Mm. Um, but you can start talking and when we talk about things, when we start telling the truth about ourselves, mm-hmm. wherever we feel most comfortable, things change. We can't talk about our truth yeah. and things not change. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's, I guess the first person. And then if the person who relates to my story, you know, more over the past 10 years, um, you know, of leadership and worth and that, I think it's really, really, really is to figure out, um, how to go, go slower, Mm. how to to care for yourself, how to be alone. Um, I think, uh, I, like I've heard people who just start with a little bit each day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I like started to seek, like, how could I be let me go to the place where I get bored because when I get bored, I think I get creative. Yeah. And so how do I get bored? And so I started with like five minutes, you know, mm-hmm. on like Saturdays and Sunday mornings, just staring out the window <laughs> for five minutes. I had nothing to do but that, you yeah. know, and then it got longer and longer and longer. And, you know, now staring out the window at a coffee shop or the front yeah. of my house or whatever, you know, yeah. it's like my favorite, um, practice the time inside my own brain wow. is beautiful. Well spent time. Yeah. So yeah. So I, so I think it's figure out how to, how to be alone and go slow. Mm, that's good. There's lots of resources for that. If yeah. you want some from me, I can give yeah, them.
1: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Send those over whenever you can. I mean, you can email us too. Um, and I can put those out there for on our, on the Instagram for this podcast and that and cool. read it ourselves too. Cause I'm still learning. I'm still in that. I'm still new to the, you know, um, therapy and, and mental health, like acknowledging those things and, uh, yeah. you know, just being with Catherine in, um, her own walk and, and just the way she advocates for it and the fact that she wants to make a career out of it and she, and that's her yeah. calling and her passion. Like, you know, it's making me f- more tender to learning. Um, yeah. and I really, um, yeah, it feels good to do that. It feels good to, to just talk to somebody and just let it out. Like, even this, even this is a form of it because the things that you're sharing are things that, like, I'm like, man, like, I need to, like that's bringing up something that i've been dealing with so we love this thank you so much for sharing uh your heart with us and and being an open book and being vulnerable and bringing down those walls and i love when you talk about being slow because that's what we're about and this podcast is about is like you when you fall like you don't get up and run again you know what i mean natural thing is like you're walking it off (laughs) Yeah. You're, or you're limping it <laughs> yeah. off like whatever you right. need to do you might be crawling but hey like it starts with taking it step by step and uh cool. we appreciate you for just being such a uh, just an example of that and and that is awesome and just mm. praying that your leadership continues to grow and flourish in this time and and beyond that because i know great things are going to come from from what you're um being able to do through your position and just the experience that god has given you
3: hmm
2: mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love being here.